HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. I was first introduced to Winona's work 15 years ago in 2002 when Patrick Martins, who will speak later this evening, founder of the Heritage Foods USA, inspired me to purchase her hand-harvested Manuman wild rice along with Frank Reese's Heritage turkeys. They're perfect together, Sam. You've got to get them. You can't buy one without the other, he said. Winona was, was one of the key organizers at Standing Rock, right? Where she masterfully led... I mean, it's amazing, right? I mean, she masterfully led a peaceful resistance and protection of land from being hijacked by big oil and the government. Yeah, thank you is right. It's awesome. Winona has been a leader in economic empowerment and environmental justice with her White Earth Land Recovery Project in Minnesota and has won Slow Food's highest honor in defense of biodiversity for her work in reviving traditional native foods. You'll get to taste some of this rice later this evening. It's amazing. She ran twice as the vice president on the Green Party ticket with Ralph Nader and was the first Native American to receive an electoral college vote this past November. It's amazing. She's the founder of Honor the Earth, a Native-led activist organization that works to raise awareness and funds for grassroots Native environmental issues. She leads with values and with compassion She has a deep knowledge of herself and her people and a strong conviction for what she stands for. She makes us see the world in a new way. She makes us see possibility. She is the hope that gives us strength. Winona, we're honored to have you here tonight. Thank you all. Have fun. Hi, can you hear me? Anin ndoe mangata tuk nikagwege tamagas bine sikwedigo makwondo dam. It's a real honor to be here with you tonight. I'm, I feel really blessed. I brought my grandchildren. Do you want to give the waves over there? From the heart of our reservation, wild rice harvesters. Um, it's really this moment in time to me. In our prophecies as Anishinaabe people, we are told that this would be the time called the time of the seventh fire. And in that time, we are told that our people will have a choice between two paths. 
One they say is well-worn, but it is scorched. The others say that it is not, it is not well-worn, but it is green. And it will be our choice as people upon which path to embark. And I really feel like that is where we are tonight. On this coast particularly, we are choosing a path that is green, not well-worn, and not scorched. And I'm very grateful to be a part of it. This is a movement that I am a very high regard for. In our teachings as Anishinaabeg people, we are told to honor and be grateful, as always, to our relatives. And our relatives, it is said, have wings and fins and roots and paws. And one would do well to live in accordance with one's relatives. This is a movement that honors those relatives, this movement that we are in. And the depth is even greater. In our traditional world of Anishinaabeg people, our sacred food, our most sacred food you will eat tonight, it is called manomen, or wild rice. And it is the food in our prophecies we are told to find and our path as we migrated from the East Coast to the place, the only place in the world where manomen or wild rice goes. We are told to go to the place where the food grows on the water. Some of the other food that you will eat or you have eaten in your life is food that comes also from our peoples. The peoples of the northern Missouri River Valley, today where the great battles over fracking and pipelines are held, are the same peoples, the Arikara peoples, who descended from the sky. The man descended wrapped in a buffalo robe. The woman descended wrapped in a corn husk. That is the relationship of food to people. It is a sacred relationship. And to us, food is medicine, and food is that which is the most sacred. So today, we continue to work to protect our wild rice, the rice you will eat tonight. We defeated, in 2003, proposals to genetically engineer wild rice. That is why we won the International Slow Food Award for our successful battle <laughs> to defeat that. <laughs> and... And, and what I want to say, I think you're all pretty smart, but there's something, it does not make sense, the words genetically engineered wild rice. I do not feel that those should belong together. You know what I mean? just really can't do that. So we've been very tough in our community in, in, in fending off evil in many ways. And today we face a 760,000 barrel a day pipeline that they are proposing to throw across our wild rice beds. That is the Enbridge Company that likes to, would like to bring tar sands from Canada. So we're asking that you know about that and you perhaps join us in our battle for that because our children, in fact, all of our children will depend upon it. So as I reflect on what is going on in Washington tonight, as many of you, I'm sure, have, I can tell you that we also remember when America was great. I would say we remember things perhaps a little differently. So we remember when there was 50 million buffalo, the single largest migratory herd in the world, when there were billions of passenger pigeons, when all of the lakes were full and streams were full of salmon and fish. The bounty was immense. When there were 250 species of grass on the northern plains and tremendous agrobiodiversity. And what we know is that all of us are saddened by the loss of that. Maybe we didn't know those relatives, but we know that somehow in their loss, we feel it. And we also know, as we look out there, that the ideas of manifest destiny that perhaps brought us to here 
our ideas and the practice that today has led us to a place where I would suggest it is not so great. It is a place where instead of that which we had before, we have arrived it is on a scorched path with much desolation and much of it unfortunately underwritten by Monsanto, Syngenta, Kraft, and Exxon. I would say that it is time to quit. It's time to quit with the Manifest Destiny stuff. It's time to move on, to evolve, and to become enlightened. It is time to return, perhaps, to that which we value most, to be fully aware of our opportunity as humans, to restore our covenant with the natural world and our covenant with the relatives, because they, in fact, wait for us. You know, I think about corn, one of our most sacred foods, and everyone in here knows that it did not begin as corn itself. It began as something very different in, in Mexico many years ago. And the 8,000 varieties of corn that were developed in the Western Hemisphere are a relationship between people and a plant. Because we as human beings can also create things of great beauty. And we have a very important relationship with all of our relatives. So as I stand here with you tonight, I think about this moment that we are all in. In my community, we feel this moment and we see it because we are very much on the front lines of this battle over two paths, one scorched and one not well-worn. I came a few weeks ago from the Standing Rock Reservation, and I will return there next week. And there in our community, we have fought very, very hard to keep the oil companies out. And many, many of you have joined us, and we are very grateful. And I want to say that in my gratitude, I cannot um, underscore how grateful we are for the great food that you sent us. We had some really good food out there. We had buffalo, we had smoked salmon, we had a lot of wild rice. You know, we didn't, we, I can't say we ate rough out there. And that is because all of you and all the people of good quality supported us. But I want to say also, because I think that we all understand that we are in this together, that at some point we need to be the people that stand for the earth. We need to be the people who stand for the relatives. And we need to be the people who stand with the food. And this moment that we are in now, you know, from my community's perspective and my experience at Standing Rock and elsewhere, I feel very much as if it's our Selma moment in the environmental movement. It's this moment where people have said, this is enough. This is enough. And there will be thousands of us that will stand here on these bridges and by this river because we value our water more than that, more than you. In my community, I come from a place where things are still pretty good. Where I live, you can still drink the water from a lake. Where I live, you can still eat the food from a lake. And you can still drink the sugar, eat the sugar from a tree or drink the sugar from a tree in the form of maple sugar and maple syrup. That is something to me that is very much worth fighting for. But for all of us here, that which we do in our resistance is also in a tremendous act of love. And as I think of our movement ahead, the movement that I've seen grow from our communities to more and more and more people involved, I am always nourished and reassured. I think about what globalization looks like today 
and I think about what globalization might have looked like 500 years ago. I think of the words like tomato, chocolatel, <laughs> dipatatel, avocado. Those are all Nahuatl words from the Western Hemisphere. And some of the initial great globalization which occurred in the world was the transference of those foods throughout the world. Many of those foods we enjoy today. It is the globalization of sharing great foods that I would like to see in the world, in our future. And I would like to see a movement, the movement that we have here, and the movement that we have at home, that should be nurtured by love, chocolate, cider, and pickles, and love. <laughs> so thank you all very much for coming tonight. It's an honor for my family to join you. And let us have a good evening and celebrate the foods we have. Miigwech.